Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to the Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we have the first of a two-part series all about buying and selling a medical practice. And in order to talk about this, we have on the show Brendan Campbell, who is a director at Prosperity Advisors Group. Brendan is a director in the Business Services and Taxation Group based in Brisbane, and he advises clients on a broad range of business issues, in particular dealing with medical practices. That is exactly why we have him here on the show today as as we talk about selling and buying medical practices. In this part one, we're talking all about selling a medical practice. And in part two, we are talking about buying a medical practice. Now, in this episode, we're talking specifically with Brendan all about the financial and accounting elements of selling a medical practice. But of course, the legal elements are particularly important as well. Now, if you're interested in finding out about the legal elements of buying and selling a medical practice, then listen in to the end of this podcast where I talk about a webinar that we have run where you can find out much more about the legal elements of selling a medical practice. But for now, here we go with Brendan Campbell talking all about the financial and accounting elements of selling a medical practice. Here we go with Brendan. Brendan, thank you so much for coming on to the Deal Room podcast. It's so great to have you on the podcast. No problem. Thanks for having me on, Joe. It's a pleasure to be here as a long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> I love it. That's really good. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, now, of course, we're here um, for part one of our two-part series all about buying and selling medical practices. Uh, we might throw a bit in there about, I think the things that we're talking about here are relevant to medical practices, dental practices, probably even veterinary practices and allied health. Uh, but it, we particularly focus on medical practices here today. And in this part one, we're talking all about getting ready um, for the exit of a medical practice. And I am excited to drill into this with you, Brendan, because there's so many things to think about from an accounting and tax perspective. Yeah, there's there's quite a lot. Um, and yeah, as yes, we do it over two parts, as you said, there'll be a buying one and a selling one. So yeah, happy to get into it and talk about some of the things. And hopefully not just tax, we'll talk about a few other things to think about as well and to make sure that if you're selling, you're getting the best price. And if you're buying, you're not paying too much. Exactly. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And and as you say, I guess it's it's uh, about uh, selling, making sure you're getting the right price, but then that you get the right price in your pocket at the end of the day, the, the yeah. maximum outcome. And I guess that's that's where this whole tax discussion becomes so critical. Well, that, that's exactly right. And I guess from a selling point of view, there is, um, there is something called capital gains tax in Australia that we have to deal with. Uh, uh, but Fortunately, at the moment, well, at the time of recording, we've got an election coming up soon, but the time of recording, uh, definitely there's a fair few exemptions out there. Um, probably one of the bigger ones, which I'm sure we'll talk a bit more about, is the uh, CGT small business concessions. 
um, without getting too much into the detail because it is a very, very specific area and a lot of uh, advice, I guess, has to be very careful around this because it different entities, different structures. One small thing is different and it changes the whole advice for this. But but essentially, if you're, if you're selling uh, a, a business uh, and it's an active business that's running as a business, not a passive investment, but a business that you're running, the, the government recognises that uh, you've been putting all your eggs sort of into one basket and really building up this asset and maybe haven't been putting money aside for the future for things like super and that. So they give you some concessions, which is, is really handy that if you're selling and you made a few basic conditions, i.e. it's a business, under 2 million turnover, you've got less, or maybe you've got less than 6 million assets. And again, these are quite specific things and there's different ways to assess those. But as a general rule, if you, if you meet those, you are likely to be able to get rid of most of your capital gains tax in the SAT. So there's a, you know, first of all, everyone will get the CGT discount, depending on the entity you're in, but most people get the 50% discount and then know about that when they're selling a rental property or something like that or, or shares. You'll, you'll, most people will know about that. But as well as that, these small business concessions, you get another 50% if it's active asset. You can have the retirement exemption. You can have a two-year rollover exemption, or you can have a 15-year rule where if you've held it and you've been in business for 15 years and it's active for at least half of them, uh, you can basically get it tax-free and not pay any tax. Again, a lot of little things, depending on the age, you might have put it in the super. If you're over 55, maybe you just take it out depend on the structure and the exact details, but there is a lot of good concessions out there and uh, it's definitely worthwhile looking into it before you sell just to make sure that you're doing it right and you're structuring it the right right way. You'd hate to sell something, do the structure wrong and then go, oh, hold on, that's actually going to cost me tax now, whereas I wouldn't have paid tax if I did it this way. Um, So it's just something to probably, probably consider out there. Absolutely. And and there's so many things, you know, I, I guess we see a lot of these um, traps from a tax perspective that, um, that businesses can fall into because we spend so much time in dealing with businesses at um, acquisition and exit. And I was just having um, a discussion with someone the other day about issues that had arisen um, because uh, of loan accounts that had appeared in their business or had been in their business, so director loan accounts, shareholder loan accounts that had been in the business, that then impacted the ability of the business to potentially to qualify for that active asset test. Um, and and I just thought, isn't it interesting where there's so many things. I mean, business owners aren't running their business thinking, you know, how much have I got sitting in loan accounts versus, you, you know, are we distributing this each year? And, and you know, there can be ways of running the accounts in terms of uh, minimising tax today that then might have these impacts in the on the future ability for you to access what can be significant um, CGT concessions. So, so from my mind, this this talks to uh, number one, you um, having accountants on your side and dealing with your business that are turning their mind to these sorts of issues each year for you when they're thinking about loan accounts or whatever. But it's also about having that discussion early on about how do you. Ha- how do you probably prepare your business for sale and what might be some of the impediments um, to you accessing things like these small business CGT concessions and other things you might be able to do about it in advance? Yeah, if you've got a, if you've got a year at least or a year or two would be better, you can sometimes tidy those things up if you need to. If that's going to be an issue and it, 
it flags when you're looking at it. Well, you, you know, and you're, hey, look, we need to sort this out. We need to either reduce those loans or we need to do this or we need to change that. Or when you're looking at the income, you know, it might be you're in, you're in a phase of growth and you might be looking at it going, well, I'm, I'm about to actually go well over that $2 million, but at the moment I'm under the $2 million. What should I be doing? Because these small business concessions too, another great thing about them is they're not necessarily only for selling to third parties. You might be doing an internal restructure. You might be triggering a CGT concession by doing so, which if you're not paying any tax, maybe you're okay with that. And that might have an, have an added benefit that then you've actually got a rate, an increased cost base for when you do sell that in the future and you, and you look at those options in the future. So there's times to talk about it, times to think about it. And, it, and you mentioned one of the things about um, making good making decisions now, which are great, but if you don't have that in the back, if the account doesn't have in the back of their head that you're looking at selling, they may make a different decision. Like the uh, there's the, the um, you know, you get immediate deduction for buying plant and equipment uh, these days, which is, is great. And the government sort of, brought in these concessions, which are which are fantastic. And you can write off all that plant and equipment, claim it all against your tax, which is great. And weirdly, when you sell it, um, it's still the right thing to do to do it, by the way. But if you then sell the business, where you get the CGT exemption and the small business exemption is all in relation to the goodwill. Uh, as part of the sale, there'll also be plant equipment, trading stock, some other stuff in there. The plant equipment should it is sold at market value on the contract, or if it's silent on the contract, you've still got to, in some states you've still got to put in the market value for it, and that's sold at market value. But if you've already written it all off and claimed it all, you actually you're going to pay tax on that. It's still a good result because you're paying tax on it somewhere, or you're getting a deduction. But it's interesting you can get a huge deduction for it one year, and then when you actually sell the business, you might be going, oh hold on, there's two hundred grand worth of plant and equipment in this sale. What do you mean I'm paying tax on that? I thought it was all capital gains tax free. Um, Every day. Still, the right decision because you're getting a big deduction for it. And this can line up how we set up contracts in the sale environment because quite often we'll set up contracts so that they, you know, are, are silent as to the apportionment between goodwill um, and and assets and certainly and equipment. And of course. Um, there's a lot that's happened recently. For example, this instant asset write-off that can make that an attractive proposition. I've, I've actually heard a lot of discussion recently about um, that instant asset write-off impacting a decision buy side, whether you're approaching um, an acquisition as a business sale or share sale. And we'll talk. We'll come back to that um, in part two of this two-part series where we talk about the considerations on buy side um, when you're buying a medical practice because I, I think that's a really interesting one that's around right at this moment in considering share sale versus business sale. But on that theme, um, I, I, and while we're talking about tax, I'd like, and we'll move off tax in, in a moment because whilst tax is super important, there are a heap of other things um, to consider as you're gearing up for a sale. But um, but I think tax does sort of dominate um, or sh and should dominate thinking of preparation for sale. I'm not sure that it does always, which can be a problem, but it should, I guess that's the point. It, it definitely doesn't always come at the top, but no. when they hear they might be paying a fair bit of tax on it and they could get around, uh, away from paying tax, that there's definitely a lot of interest peaked at that point. That's right. 
And of course, many, many of our medical practices um, make significant use of um, trust in, in, from a structure perspective. But for medical practices that are run out of, um, out of proprietary limiteds, out of uh, um, corporate entities, there's also this consideration of business sale versus share sale. Um, and, and I think it's really important um, to understand when you're heading into a sale really clearly whether business sale or share sale is going to give you the best outcome because you need to be prepping the business from that perspective. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So are you buying the shares or is the is the company in this case selling you the business? And in which case the company stays on, the original directors stay there as the directors and the new purchasers will, will buy, you know, they'll have a new company or, or trust or whatever structure they want that they're buying the business with. And often that's, well, that's probably typically the way the sales occur because most purchasers aren't trying to buy share unless it's a listed entity but you know and you're buying shares in that but most smaller business sort of sales you're not trying to buy the the company that uh has potentially some baggage some issues some other other problems involved with it and you really just want to buy that particular business you don't want anything else that's in that company that that they're running through there so yeah that's absolutely uh something to know up front and and it's it's important as you say to be very clear on that when you are selling are you selling shares or are you selling uh, the business itself and the accountants and lawyers I'll ask about it straight away but often half the, half the talks already happened before then and you get to that point and they go I don't know what am I selling <laughs> well and it's so true it's so true you know we have lots of buyers who are very happy to buy shares um, rather than the business as a whole um, although of course that varies depending it depends on the sophistication of the buyer and the um, and and the size of the business and the and the how the business is run, but I just find it's it's always an interesting discussion with clients when they really haven't understood the difference between the two nor the tax difference. So I think that's that's part of the necessity of getting proper tax advice, um, a proper discussion with your accountant well in advance of a sale, so that you know what it looks like and what your considerations are. And if you're selling that, you want to be controlling that too because you're the one selling. You want to be clear on what you're selling. You don't want that left up to someone else deciding what they're buying. You need to be clear on what you're selling. Exactly, because you can build you can build a sales pitch for any type of uh, deal structure, any type of way that you intend to sell the business. The critical thing is that you know <laughs> what way you need to sell the business to or, or the shares or whatever to get the, the best outcome um, and work backwards. <laughs> and part of that too, I guess, is, is knowing not only what you're going to sell, but, but planning. We mentioned that, I think, at the start, but just planning what you're going to sell and planning a lot earlier than ringing your accountant and saying, I'm thinking of selling, I've got a buyer, here it is. As we talked about, not only with tax, there's just a lot of other considerations to take into it to to make sure you're presenting a business the best you can for sale and making sure you've got it primed and looking great and fantastic. So a potential buyer looks at it and says, that's what I want, and then prepared to pay the, the right money for it, as opposed to something that might be poorly presented. You know, you might have some expenses running through that aren't actually part of the core running of the business, and all of a sudden we're backing those out when we're presenting numbers to the potential purchaser to give them, you know, a, a realistic future maintainable earnings kind of number. But if the, if the potential purchaser has already seen a set of financial statements that has a lower, you know, or a, a lower profit on it, they're not going to then accept uh, that that actually is a better business than that and it's making more money because they've already got a predetermined number of it in their head and they're going, oh, this is what this is worth. You've, you've almost got to talk them up to what it really is worth. Whereas if you can present what it's worth initially, 
people be a lot more comfortable understanding that value. Do you know what? You're absolutely right. And and I think that comes back to, you know, if we backtrack a bit, the, the maybe if we can go through for our listeners sort of a quick dot point of the sorts of things that they should be thinking about when preparing for sale. From a legal perspective, there are a whole heap of things they need to be thinking about. For example, they need to be thinking about is our um, lease term appropriate um, for a buyer coming in because uh, some funders will require a minimum lease term or a real, minimum tenure of property. So in some instances, a buyer will be purchasing the property, but if they're not, then they'll have to be, you know, a, a minimum period um, that, uh, that that is locked under those lease, under that lease, either in the term itself or in, in the options. So there's an example of something that, you know, sellers can turn their mind to before sale. But once you get to the point of sale, it's, it can be too late. And so what are the things from an accounting financial perspective that you think sellers should be bearing in mind to prepare in advance for a sale? So what you'd probably want to do is make sure that you've got, uh, first of all, if it's a medical practices, I guess we're talking about, and if we're, I'll, I'll narrow it down further and say a GP practice so I can be a bit more specific on it, but um, you'd want to make sure you've got all the doctor's contracts up to date and that you've got the right contracts in place. If you're trying to sell a business and there's no contracts in place with doctors and there's got to be a few questions asked and, and people are going to be a bit concerned about it. You'd want to make sure you've got the staffing levels right as well to make sure you're not sort of, you know, you haven't got the wrong staff and the wrong positions and you, you know, Betty's been with you for 20 years but doesn't do that much and you're just paying her this wage and, yeah, that's great. But a new a new purchase is not going to want to come in and take over that and, and any efficiencies you can bring into the business as well. If you can make it more efficient and now is, would be the time to do it before you're selling it so it presents better. So you're effectively getting a better price because you get a, Typically in a medical practice, you'll get a multiple, so you get an EBIT multiple, so your earnings times by number of years is a rough way of saying that. And if your earnings is higher, your number of years is likely higher as well. So there's sort of a multiplying effect on presenting better financials. Um, but things like the rent, exactly right. So if you've got a, if you're selling and someone's coming in to buy it, they're going to look at it and go, well, hold on, there's only one year left on this lease. And the landlord might be wanting to kick you out and do something else. It's like, well, hold on, why would I buy this? Why am I paying for that? And conversely as well, you might even, if you're the if you're the seller, you might want to think about it, you, sometimes the owner of the land, maybe through the super fund or a trust or something as well, where it's a connected entity to you, you would probably want to be selling it with, to, to guarantee your income a little bit for the super fund or your trust, you might want to have a lease in place so at least the person who buys it doesn't rip it straight out and leave you on the lurch sitting there thinking you've got a building that's being rented and all of a sudden, oh no, they've moved it next door because they own that premises. Wait, what happened? And you've sort of had a bit of a double whammy on you there and your income starts dropping. So it's important to think about those sort of things. Make sure you get your lease in place. Make sure your contracts are in place. Make sure your staff agreements um, are all in place and all up to scratch. Um, you know, is, has a fit out been done sort of recently? Is it presentable? What are the, you know, have you been through your client numbers? So sometimes in your, in your software, you'll be able to see the number of patients you've got and whether it's active patients versus patients in general. Just making it present well is a good thing it's a, it's a bit like selling a house you know you give it maybe give it a bit of a paint job and spruce it up and at least sweep the floor before someone comes through and looks at it you make it look nice and make it look presentable because you know it's a good business and you want them to think it's a good business as well when they first see it and not have not have questions about it because oh there was a yeah there's a bit of you know, a bit of paint missing in the in the reception area and a bit of something coming off here and it just doesn't look right that's gonna that's gonna scare people away 
And look, the other thing that I um, probably want to throw in there as well, as you're talking, is um, is this idea of being ready for your due diligence as well. Because you know, I just it's a constant source of annoyance to buyers to come in full of emotion for um, for a sale, only to find that um, the the seller, the vendor, doesn't have all of the information ready. Um, for due diligence requests. Now, sometimes due diligence requests can be, um, you know, more extensive than they need to be and and it's perhaps um, not really expected that a seller would have uh, all of the uh, these things ready. But generally speaking, there's some obvious things that you need to have in place. You need to have your financials ready. You need to have your legal documents ready. You need your lease ready. But there's just nothing more annoying to a buyer and, and giving off really bad signals in relation to the way in which the business has been run if you are going to take a long period of time bringing them. Sorry? Sorry, I was going to say, just to jump in there, two little things like make sure your tax returns are done. If they're not up to date, it's very hard to get them up to date within a a week and get them lodged and get some evidence to show that this this was lodged and it's on time and the masses are all done and all those little things are done. You're exactly right. I mean, it's, you know, do we have access to bank statements? Have we got all the accounts in order? And it's not just financial accounts as we talked about. It's doing those little backs to present something that's showing you, you know, the maintainable earnings where you might be backing out certain things. So it's not just, oh, here's my P&L from last year. That that doesn't really cover it. There's got to be a bit more to it. So, you know, a lot of people will back out sort of uh, JobKeeper income that came in, you know, COVID was a thing a couple of years ago, still is around, but not, a, not as relevant now when you're selling. But if, but if you're looking at a set of financials that has those things in there, the guy on their side of it, when you're buying it, is going to want to back that stuff out or the cash flow boost you received. He's going to want to back that out because it's not, maintainable earnings it's not future earnings that you get it's kind of related to that specific year so there'll be a lot of little adjustments you're you're likely making um, and you want to have a set of financial statements or a profit and loss that shows that number yeah brilliant okay well look i think we've um we've set it out pretty well there next episode we'll be talking about the buy side are there any last minute tips that you want to give our listeners brendan and please make sure to let them know how they can contact you in the future as well Thanks, Joe. I'd say start early, um, you know, maybe even like we do a benchmark report for a lot of GP practices. Benchmark it, look at it five years from selling. If not five years, four years, if not four or three, but definitely before you sell it, look at it. What can I change? What can I tweak? How can I present this the best for sale? And talk to your account and make sure they know you're interested in looking at selling it and how, how to present that the best. But yeah, even running just a benchmark to look at it, well, where can I improve the business a little bit to that? Um, and if you want to get in contact with us, prosperityadvisors.com.au, bcampbell at prosperity.com.au. Find me on the, on the web, find uh, one of our advisors in, uh, in Sydney, Newcastle or Brisbane. We definitely look after a lot of medicos, so sure we can help in some way. And I'm sure you'll put up some links for us somewhere on the uh, in the details there, Joe. <laughs> 100% we will, Brendan. We'll throw up in our show notes all of those ways to contact Brendan at Prosperity. Um, thank you so much for coming on board, Brendan, and I am look forward to talking to you next week all about the top tips from an accounting perspective in buying a medical practice. Great. Thanks, Joe. 
Well, that's it for part one of our two-part series all about buying and selling medical practices. Of course, this was part one where we talked about exiting a medical practice. And in part two, we will be talking about buying a medical practice, which is the next episode after this. But if you're thinking of buying or selling a medical practice, we have for you as well a number of legal webinars that you might be interested in watching. We have a buy side webinar and a sell side webinar. So pick whichever is relevant to you. And in each of those webinars, we run through the five legal perspectives of gearing up for a sale or an acquisition of a business like a medical practice. And that is preparation, primary value, protection, purchase structure, and process. So if you are interested in those webinars, just see the show notes over at our website, thedealroompodcast.com. And there you will also find a transcript of this episode. And you will also be able to find how to contact Brendan Campbell at Prosperity Advisors Group. If you would like assistance with any accounting aspects of a sale or acquisition of a medical practice. Of course, at our website, you'll also be able to find out details of how to contact our legal eagles at Aspect Legal if you or your clients would like to discuss any legal aspects of selling or acquiring a medical practice. Well, that's it. Don't forget to tune in to our next episode where we talk with Brendan all about buying a medical practice. Until then, I hope you enjoyed what you heard today and don't forget to pop over to your favorite podcast player to leave us a review if you enjoyed what you were listening to. Well, thanks again for listening in. You've been listening to Joanna Oki and the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. Aspect Legal has a number of great services that help businesses prepare for a sale or acquisition to help them prepare in advance and to get transaction ready. We've also got a range of services to help guide businesses through the sale and acquisitions process. We work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. We provide a free consultation to discuss your proposed sale or acquisition. So see our show notes on how to book a time to speak with us or head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to The Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au. 